Um, so I'm one of the staff members here. My name is Joshua. Thanks for being here. Some of you are new. Some of you are not at all, but we're glad you're here. In the summer, it's kind of fun because we, we don't like that we lose some of the students who go home. Um, that's always sad. But what is a little bit nice is just having a smaller group a little bit. It feels a little closer. So as you come in, you know, this, the different weeks during the summer, and you see seats kind of open up in the front or say there's a lot of people on the sides but not people in the middle, just go ahead and kind of move in closer and stuff. It can just feel more chill, more intimate. It also reminds me of like early days of our church where there weren't as many people and it was just a small little chill group. So uh, as we worship together and learn together this summer, uh, don't be scared of each other, you know? Just squeeze in a little bit. We, had, we were bringing the front row crowd pretty good over here, if I say so myself. So anyway. Um, okay, so we're starting a new sermon series today. You may have heard about this in our newsletter. If you have not heard about it, then go to dentnorthchurch.com slash newsletter and sign up for that. But um, it's going to be called Gospel Stories. Every week, we're going to make up a new story that we think could be a pretty cool addition to the gospel. I've noticed, and you probably have too, not a lot of new gospel stuff or Bible stuff in the past, like, 100, 200, 2,000 years. So let's, let's spice it up a little bit. Let's add some stuff, you know. I've been a little bit bummed about how the release schedule for, for gospel stuff has been kind of dry for a while. So we are going to change that right here at Denton North Church. Let's add to the Bible. I'm totally kidding. Absolutely kidding. We're not going to do that. Each week, we're going to look at one individual story from the gospels and just spend our time immersing ourselves in that story uh, looking at the things Jesus is doing, what he's saying, who he's saying it to, how they're responding, trying our best to focus on all aspects of that story. I think some of these gospel stories fly by quickly. Um, depending on which one you're reading, it can be like very sparing on the details. So let's spend some time this summer. We're going to just do one story at a time and um, go slowly. And just as we do that, just really focus on those details. With the details we do have, uh, really lean into them read them, the this, this stories after we preach a sermon about them. You'll be hearing from a lot of different people in our community this summer. Um, read that story a few times during the week, and just let yourself be okay with reading the same story a few times, thinking about it, um, imagining some details for yourself, if you will, and just really thinking about what Jesus is doing, what he wants us to take from these interactions. Everything Jesus did was very purposeful. Every word he said was very purposeful. Every action he took was very purposeful. So let's Let's also, let's treat it like each of those stories has that amount of weight that we can give it. So we're going to be doing that all summer long. And um, I don't know if anyone told you guys this, but Jesus is really, it's pretty, pretty important. He's a pretty important guy. And um, he's definitely worth us giving him this kind of focus. In fact, our faith, our hopes, our very life hinges on Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. And so we do very well to focus and learn and take note and meditate on as many of Jesus' actions and words as we possibly can and learn them as best as we can and take those things in our daily lives as best as we can. Now that I'm definitely with this mic, I'm going to go and take this one off so I'm not so trapped. Um, so how many of you feel like you know the Gospels pretty well? Show hands. This is one of those things like, who knows the Bible? Okay, we got McGinty. That's good. That's all we need. Um, and how many of you guys feel like you forget something you've read, gospel or, or, or otherwise, about a week or a month after you've read it? That probably should be all of us, right? Yes, totally. That's okay. It's really fine. So um, how many of you guys have read something in the Bible, especially in the gospels, and then you've been like, man, I forgot Jesus did that. I forgot Jesus said that. 
That ever happened to you? Yes, definitely. So we'll read some stories you're really familiar with. We'll read some that you haven't read in a long time, that you're not as familiar with. And that's the whole point. We really are, are wanting to let these things, the person that we're kind of hinging our whole entire existence on, we'd love to fill in some of those gray areas and blank spaces of things we forget that he did or said. And because we're kind of placing some big bets on this guy. So let's, let's um, do as much of that research and background and fill in as much as we can to know this person that we are living our lives for. So um, as we read and discuss these stories together today, just focus, meditate on what Jesus is saying, what he's doing, who he is, take note of how people respond. So today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I'll let you take a second to get there. Luke chapter 5, the very beginning. This is one of those cool stories. It's actually in all four of the Gospels, but we get the most detail here from Luke. So it's kind of interesting how that varies. Um, Starting in verse uh, number one. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by the lake Gesineret, which is also called the Lake Galilee, Sea of Galilee. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, We've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in another boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that had been taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. So we do get some detail there from Luke's account of this story. But I want to kind of fill in some some gaps and pretend that it's a real story that we would hear, like, sitting on the, I don't know what school was like for you growing up, like sitting kind of in a circle um, in kindergarten or whatever, and having the teacher tell you a story. Um, so I just kind of rewrote this. I didn't, I'm not adding crazy stuff, okay? All right, don't worry. And I just want us to kind of really immerse ourselves in the story. Imagine that we are one of the people in it. We are Simon, we are Andrew, we are James or John. So once upon a time, there was a fisherman named Simon. When Simon was young, he learned about God and he learned about the law. But He didn't come from a rich family, and he wasn't the sharpest at memorizing scripture, so he continued in the family trade of fishing. That really ended up being the only option for him, rather than becoming a scribe or a rabbi or something like that. Simon and his brother Andrew were fishing one night, like they had countless times before. They cast their nets, waited for a while, and pulled them up to find they hadn't caught a single fish. So they moved their boat a little bit to a different area, and tried again, casting their nets, waiting for a while, pulling them back up to find they had not caught a single fish. So they moved the boat again, 
and tried it all over again. Still nothing. This went on over and over again, still not a single fish. Simon was incredibly frustrated. He's not an amateur at this. He's been doing this for a long time. It's his family's trade. And most of the time, him and Andrew only have to fish until they've met their daily goal, whatever they can hold in their boat, and then they row back to shore and call it a night. But net after net kept being empty. They weren't anywhere close to their goal because they hadn't caught anything, but they had to keep trying. As they continued fishing, Simon's back began hurting from bending over the side of the boat over and over. Him and Andrew's hands were red and aching from rubbing against the ropes of the net so many times. Simon and Andrew looked out at the water, and their hearts sank. They saw the sun peeking over the horizon, which wrapped this whole miserable night up into a miserable bow. They had truly fished all night and caught nothing. With the little energy they had left, they slowly rowed back to shore, defeated. As they got closer to the shore, they noticed a commotion, and they saw some guy talking, and a large crowd of people were swarming all around him. What was going on? They got closer and reaching the edge of the shore a little ways down from the man in the crowd to where they could just start to hear the man's voice. What could this guy be, a teacher or something, or maybe a weird prophet like John the Baptizer? And suddenly it looked like the teacher was turning toward them and was shouting something. Hey there, I'm having trouble speaking to this group and everyone hearing me. Would you mind if I stood in your boat? They looked at each other and kind of shrugged. They didn't have the energy to argue. So they said yes and continued mending and cleaning their nets. And so Jesus, this man whose name they don't know, um, stepped into their boat and began teaching, and they just kind of listened halfway with the energy they had left and, and continued washing and mending their nets. And then um, some of what he said was pretty interesting, but they didn't have the energy to really give it a lot of attention and time. But uh, he finished up speaking, and the crowd kind of dispersed. And then uh, the man came and thanked them for letting, them, letting him stand in their boat. And then he had the audacity to say, hey, let's go out and fish a little bit more. Simon and Andrew were very not interested in this idea. They had just done this all night long, and they don't fish during the day normally. Normally they have already finished and were resting. So despite all these feelings, Simon says, okay. And so they get in the boat and row out a little ways into the water. And then the man says, why don't you put your nets down here and see what you catch? And Simon thinks, okay, I've been quietly doubting this whole plan. I'm really exhausted. Let me just tell him what's been going on. And listen, dude, we have been working all night long trying to catch fish and we have caught nothing at all. But he just thinks, you know what, what's it going to change? Why not? So he poses his questions to the man, but then says, you know what, we'll just do it anyway. And so he lets down the nets, not expecting there to be any change from the hundred times that they did this overnight. And suddenly, as soon as they let them all the way down, Peter and Andrew start feeling an immense weight on the nets. And they start pulling them up and notice that it is absolutely full of fish. This completely overwhelms Simon, who's already exhausted 
emotionally and physically. And rather than be in awe of this catch that has just happened, he just bows down before this person. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know what he's all about. But he does know that he just witnessed this miracle. And at the same time, he knows that he is not a good person. He does not know the law very well. He's not a rabbi or a scribe or some impressive person. He is a regular old sinner. And so he bows down in front of this stranger and just says, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm not a good guy. Clearly, you're a good guy. You don't want to be anywhere near me. And the man tells him to stand up and says that he doesn't care about any of that stuff. Instead, he says, not only that, but just don't be afraid. Don't worry. You're going to be with me from now on, and you're going to be catching people. What a bewildering phrase to hear. But all Simon knows is that whatever this guy's about, he's in for it. He couldn't catch a thing all night despite being a pro fisherman, and suddenly this guy shows up telling him all the wrong things to do at the wrong times of the day to do it, and he catches more fish than he's ever seen. And so, throwing logic out the window in every way, Simon decides to follow this guy. And Andrew and James and John follow suit. Isn't it interesting just to think about it a little bit more like a real story, as if you were there? We've all worked like a long day, you know, like they have, and have had been at the end of our rope and very impatient. And any little bit of bothering that we might experience from somebody, or question, or, you know, delay or something, we would blow them off completely um, and just be very on our own, on our own mindset, on our own track, not at all looking for any sort of miracles or crazy things to happen. Um, I think this story is something that we can put ourselves in in some ways. It's, of course, a lot of our professions and stuff do not relate. But I think there's a lot of ways we can put ourselves in Simon's shoes. So what I want to do is after we've kind of just thought about that story a little bit, I want to pull out five things that I really think we can take from this story uh, that are either examples that Simon kind of gives us or that Jesus himself gives us. And these, there's five of them. I know that's breaking the rules. Three points is kind of the maximum that you're allowed. Um, so I'm going to take five, and then um, the next sermon I do, whenever that is, I'll just do one. Okay? Is that okay? Can I just kind of like owe you guys that or whatever? So um, the first point is just that it's really worth it to us to obey Jesus even in the midst of our questions. It's really worth it to us to obey Jesus even in the midst of our questions. That's exactly the example we have from Simon here. He has all kinds of questions, all kinds of reasons not to listen to Jesus, not to listen to this guy he's never met before, tell him how to fish. Pretty obvious this guy's not a fisherman from the kind of advice he's giving. And yet, for whatever reason, Simon decides to do what Jesus says. We have our own kinds of questions like that too. But I think what, it, what this shows us is it's worth it, despite our questions, not that we don't get to talk through those with Jesus later, not that we don't get to wonder those things, but to still obey Jesus and know that it's going to turn out well for us to do that. We don't have to have every question answered before we say yes to Jesus. 
Something in Simon, for some reason, made him decide to trust Jesus more than himself in that moment. He had every reason not to, but something made him decide to trust Jesus more than himself. And I don't think the promise of a big catch, like a big catch of fish, is the moral lesson that we should have here, like, listen to Jesus because you'll win the lottery or something like that. Like, I don't think that's what we can take as our lesson here. But I think the takeaway should be that do, doing what Jesus says, trusting him despite our doubts, um, is, is the right way to live our lives. And there should not be some sort of thing that we're going to get or win from that. But we need to learn from Simon and his ability to trust Jesus despite his doubts and questions. And just also notice, too, that Jesus does not appear to shame Simon for having those questions. He doesn't, like, you know, slap him or something like that or really just chastise him or anything like that. Uh, Simon gets his chance to speak his skepticism, but he obeys anyway, and that's good enough for Jesus. Obeying anyway was good enough for Jesus. So what about us? Are we okay following Jesus despite our questions? Or do we want some questions answered first, some details clarified right at the beginning, some concerns addressed before we sign up and jump in and start obeying Jesus in earnest? Are we obeying? Or are we just standing there holding the net, kind of hesitant to drop it into the water because it just doesn't make sense to us? So it's worth it to us to obey Jesus even in the midst of our questions. And then I think right off of the heels of that, the next point of the five is just that there really actually is a metaphorical big catch of fish. Not in the, the literal sense that it kind of seems in the story, but it's a perfect metaphor for what Jesus is doing here. Sure, it's also a very effective recruiting tactic, like to really <laughs> shock and awe people probably works pretty well in most situations for recruiting people for stuff. But the big catch and the fishing for people line would have made a really clear connection to Andrew and Simon and James and John, because first, he shows them a massive catch of fish, a literal one. And then he says, now let's go do this same thing with people. Now let's go do this same thing with human beings. Fish are nothing. There's so many people out there to catch. I'm going to pull off a catch that's more important than this one, is what Jesus is saying. And they're already impressed by this literal fish catch. And he's like, yeah, this is kind of nothing compared to what I'm going to do next. And he did that, and he's still doing it. Jesus is still doing that. He showed those first apprentices exactly what was going to happen by using fish, a, an example that was perfect for them. And we can take that with us also, even though we're not fishermen. Jesus is going to pull off a really huge, very important catch. He's going to gather so many people and save them. And do we want in on that? That's basically the invitation we get to have. Do we want in on helping Jesus save a lot of people? The next thing is that humility and submission is what Jesus is really looking for in, in his apprentices and in his followers. Humility and submission is what he's looking for. Simon doesn't seem to take a second to kind of bask in the awesomeness of this huge catch that probably is going to make him pretty rich or at least make him not have to work for the next like week or something like that. You know, who knows how that worked. But the first thing that's obvious to him is that he does not deserve this. He's not someone who deserves to have just been given this large gift of lots and lots of fish. His immediate thought is that he is a sinner. 
and he thinks this disqualifies him from even being around somebody like Jesus, who he's realizing in the moment is really important and pretty different from other people he's been around, very different from people he's heard speak and preach and stuff. Um, he is thinking, I'm not qualified to be around this person. That's, this is for the pious, for the, for the righteous, for the people who knew the law better than me, who, who got to study it longer and who became rabbis and scribes, etc. I'm not supposed to be around this guy. And yes, Simon's a sinner, but he knows it. And we are, we're seeing in the story, he's not proud of that fact. He's not excited. He's not glad about that. He's aware of his faults. He knows his imperfections. And he knows that Jesus is good and that he's not. He thinks the difference between us is so great that this Jesus guy must get away from me. I shouldn't even be near him. And that's exactly the kind of person that Jesus is looking for. (laughs) That's exactly the kind of person that's qualified to follow Jesus. Sinner. Someone who knows they're a sinner and knows they need Jesus, knows they need forgiveness. Someone who knows just how much they need God. Someone who's under no illusion that they're good or have it all figured out on their own. Disciple means apprentice or learner. And so the kind of people Jesus is looking for as he's wandering around that day are people who know they have a lot to learn and want to learn, who do not think they already have it all understood and figured out. So how humble are we? Are we on our knees like Simon? How do we frame our relationship to Jesus? Do we think we even need him at all? Do we think he needs us, actually? Or do we know that we desperately need him every day? So humility and submission is what Jesus is looking for. The fourth point is Jesus is calling you, you, you and me and everybody in this room to join him in his service. He wants us to come with him to find other people. Now, fishing was a really purposeful metaphor, choice by Jesus, even more than we've already pointed out. When you fish and you hook a fish or you catch one in a net or whatever way you do it, I think some people grab them with their hands or something like that. Whatever way you want to do it, I'm not going to tell you how to fish because I don't know how. Ryan can tell you. Um, <laughs> the, if you can imagine being the fish for a second, it's actually a pretty huge change in your situation to have been caught. <laughs> It's not really a good thing when you're a fish, but that's not like a small change that happened. You got hooked you know, in the mouth. You got caught in a net with a bunch of your friends. You got grabbed by some hands. When you are a fish and you get caught, it is a huge change in the direction of your life. Nothing is the same for you after you have been caught. And unfortunately for the fish, that does mean death, okay? So, you know, not great. But Jesus means exactly the opposite of that. In his mind, in his metaphor, The catch is the opposite of that. It is to save people. The catching is saving people from death. And much of the rest of the catching metaphor still applies to us. To be caught by Jesus really should mean that our lives drastically change direction. That nothing's the same for us after we've been caught by Jesus. Has that been the case for us? Or do our lives mostly look the same, but our Spotify has a little bit more worship music in it and just looks a little different? Are we seeing being caught by Jesus as the actual life-disrupting, direction-changing event that it is? Jesus is calling us into his service. The fifth point is that catching people is now your only life mission. 
Simon, Andrew, James, and John dropped their nets, and they left everything behind. They made a very clear, unambiguous change in their life purpose. That does not mean that everyone's called to quit their jobs and be in full-time ministry. Even Paul himself worked for large amounts of his time in ministry. But it does, does mean that catching people becomes the priority in our life. It becomes the mission of our life. The where and the how absolutely differ among all of us, but the what and the why cannot. The stakes are high, the time's limited, and this is the work we've been called to do by Jesus. We're all to be catchers of people. And this is cheating because that's not, I know it's referencing a different story, okay? But later on, Jesus tells us and gives us the caveat that no one, not, no one at all, can serve two masters. No one can love God and love the pursuit of wealth. No one can live for God and also live for themselves at the same time. We really just cannot have two masters. We can't have two missions. So there's lots of questions to ask ourselves here too. Who are we living our lives for? What is our mission right now? What's the priority of our lives? Is anything taking priority over following Jesus for us? Is anything our purpose over following Jesus in our daily lives? Catching people is now your only life mission. I'm going to read those all five points again real quick, and then um, also just read the story again. Not the long version, but the, the actual canon version. It's very worth it to us to obey Jesus, even in the midst of our questions. There really is a metaphorical big catch of people. Humility and submission is what Jesus is looking for in followers. Jesus is calling us into his service. And catching people is now our only life mission. So let's read this again. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gesenaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll let down my nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they'd just taken. And so were James and John. Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Do not be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. Then they brought the boats to the land and left everything and followed him. There's just so much that we can take from that one little story. The way that Simon, in a very unlikely way, responds to this Jesus disrupting his life. And there's tons that we can glean from Jesus' purpose in the way that he he um, organized this entire thing to happen. And the things that he says, the ways that he treats Simon. 
we are sinful just like Simon, and if we were at Jesus' needs, he would invite us still also to be part of what he's doing. So one of the things I really want you to do this week is just read this story again. In fact, I would say read it in all the different Gospels. It's pretty easy to find. It's like early in all of them. Um, you'll notice what I already said is that Luke's is kind of the longest. But there's just this, this story is one I think we can spend time really meditating on. See what the Holy Spirit kind of shows you, what things stick out to you, what things puzzle you, what things, you know, um, just really you, that you need to imagine more deeply than you have before. This is the kind of story that we get used to. We get used to hearing it, and then it's pretty commonplace, even though it's a super weird, unusual story, and it's the very important beginning of Jesus' ministry and callings and followers to himself. And this is how it all starts off. This is like, you know, a lot of the cool movies start off with a bang. Um, this is how Jesus' ministry starts in many ways, is uh, by this situation with these people he's never met before. They've never met him, and it just goes off from there. So let's spend some time this week really kind of thinking about the story, reading it again. Um, and the nice thing about that, I think one of the struggles that, it, that we have sometimes with wanting to read Scripture or not wanting to is just knowing where to start and feeling like the goal is to like just accomplish a lot of reading or something. So this is easy. This is just a handful of verses. It's a real easy start. Just read this a few times this week. Don't sweat that you didn't, you know, cover huge swaths of Scripture. Let's just spend some time in one story at a time. So um, I'm going to say a short prayer for us, and then we will do announcements. Lord, thank you so much for just this, the, all the stories that we have of the way that you lived, the way that you spoke, the things you said, uh, the way that you affected people's lives. And thank you for giving us these stories. There's so much uh, on purpose. We're told that there could, there's tons of stories and that the world couldn't contain the volumes of all the stories, but we do have these. Lord, help us to glean from them what we will, what you really want us to learn. Help us just to hear your Holy Spirit and to respond in the ways that people responded to you, um, to, to be willing to drop whatever it is you want us to, to follow you. Um, Lord, you're so good to us. Thanks for even wanting to use people like us. Thanks for wanting to use people like Simon and Andrew and James and John. We are the result of that fruit. We are part of that big catch that started way back then. Lord, you're so good. Thanks for wanting to catch us. Thanks for wanting to save us. Help us just to look at your example of how you lived, what you said, what you did, and follow as closely as we can. Help us to be your apprentices. Here I pray. Amen. Sean, you good? There he is. Hey, also, Garvin, could I, we got you guys to, to play one more song after the announcements to kick us, to end us off? Where'd Garvin go? Oh, nice. He's like, he's like I'm hiding because I really didn't want to say yes. If you, can, you can pick whatever song it is, but after Sean does the announcements, let's just sing one more, okay? What's up? Hello, everybody. Do I have anything behind me? Oh, I'm just reading off of this. Cool. Okay, so we are, first announcement is going to be the Shepherd's Prayer meeting. It's going to be tomorrow at 7 p.m. at the Ramirez's, a.k.a. the Rodriguez's. I uh, had to text Josh. I was like, who the heck are the Rodriguez's? I don't, I don't know them. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be at 2236 Southway 
Denton, Texas. That's at 7 p.m. tomorrow at the Rod at the Ramirez's. That that was an actual slip up. That wasn't on purpose. Um, okay, and then we are. Oh, perfect. There are there are things behind me. Okay, so we. What's the next one? Hit me. Okay, he'll follow me. So the next one is going to be the faith class. So starting on June 19th, we're going to be exploring how to increase our faith in God. We will meet for six weeks, okay? So it's going to be 8.30 to 9.40 a.m. It's going to be here. There's not a lot of reading involved. It's going to be one article every week, okay? So it's not going to be really heavy intense on the what you need to read, so consider doing it. Um, yeah, so it's going to be first week, the mind. Second, the beauty and the ugliness of nature. Third, myth and stories. Fourth, morality. Fifth, uh, no, fourth, morality, politics, and the good life, and fifth, relationship, evil, and suffering. And there is a sign-up link. Um, and then the next one is our men's breakfast. It's going to be, the next one is June 25th, 9 a.m., at the hangout spot, Ryan Plache's house. So it's going to be 1903 Misty Wood Lane. 1903 Misty Wood Lane. And the next thing is our new social network. So please join it if you haven't yet. We're migrating off of Facebook. There's so many of us that are naturally just transitioning off of Facebook. So we're starting this new one. Um, so we are moving our internal church group away from Facebook and onto a different platform. There's a video here that you can watch on the newsletter. And then you can just join it. It's The link is in the newsletter as well. So it's the, called the Mighty Network. And then our next one is our Spark Social. That's going to be a hangout for our 20-year-olds and our 30-year-olds and our, our family of churches. So that's basically our whole church. Um, so it's going to be July 16th at 2 p.m. in downtown Carrollton. I think this is a good opportunity for us. Downtown Carrollton is actually a lot closer than things usually are for us. So it's a good opportunity to go hang out and not have to drive an hour for us to get there. Um, downtown Carrollton, July 16th at 2 p.m. And then some other dates to remember, Kids Camp is going to be June 24th through June 27th. Teen Camp is going to be July 22nd through 27th. And there's going to be an all DFW Metro family pool party on July 31st. July 31st. As well, in the newsletter, we have the podcast. So you can always subscribe to our podcast if you ever miss church. And there's a link to our giving so if you want to give on Venmo or just straight through our website, you can do that. Cool. Those are our announcements. And I'm going to invite Opal up here to talk about our women's seminar. Is that what it is, Opal? Women's seminar. She didn't know. She, she looked surprised. But Opal's going to take it away from here. I really didn't know. I, I had no idea that I was coming up here. So this is on the fly. Uh, we're having a women's seminar. You're invited if you are a woman and not a man. Please don't come men uh yeah it's um <laughs> it's about uh we're having a panel um of some super duper wonderful women from our body of churches not from our church we're gonna come and answer some questions about what it's like to be a woman of faith through different seasons of your life giving birth after your children leave all sorts of weird changes that go on in specifically women's lives and how they affect your relationship with God, because we have a lot of new moms. Shout out to the new moms. Um, and we have a lot of people transitioning into all sorts of different phases. We really wanted 
um, to put something together for you guys to be able to learn and see and have a resource um, of some women you can ask deeper, <laughs> more weird questions you have that we won't cover um, <laughs> at the seminar. So yeah, it's gonna be on, I think, pretty sure, July 25th um, at June, 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 June 25th. It's in like three weeks. And um, it's uh, from like uh, 10.30 to 2.30. And uh, it will be bring your own stuff. We're having a potluck and it's gonna be super cute. Tate's helping decorate, so she's the bomb. So you should just come for that, really. Only Tate's de decor. Um, that's pretty much all I have. Um, please come, and don't hate me for this long announcement. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.